Exactly 95 years ago, uh, Alberto Casella published a play uh, that is so good that Hollywood has turned it into a film multiple times, uh, each time with great success. Uh, most recently, it, uh, it has appeared under the title, Meet Joe Black. And uh, it's uh, appeared some years ago, it stars a young Brad Pitt. Uh, and he, pay, he plays the title character. And Anthony Hopkins plays a man named Bill Parrish. Uh, Bill Parrish is this uh, uber-wealthy corporate uh, CEO uh, who has it all. Uh, he has everything money can buy. He has two daughters uh, who love him. But he doesn't appreciate any of it until he comes face-to-face -face with Joe Black. Face-to-face -face with death. Uh, Joe Black suddenly appears in uh, Bill Parrish's uh, corner suite in Manhattan after some executives leave his office. Uh, Bill grips his chest with a sudden heart attack. And while he's wincing in pain in this heart-stopping moment, Joe Black appears and calmly explains that this is the moment that he is supposed to die. But he is going to be given a little extra time to live. And this encounter with Joe Black is the turning point in Bill's life. He is, finds himself on the knees in this office, aware that he should be a dead man, but that he's been given the gift of more time to live. And with this second chance at life, uh, Bill Parrish uh, is able to put his work into proper perspective, the high-stakes corporate backstabbing that used to tie him up in knots. Now, <laughs> he just chuckles about it. And with this second chance at life, uh, he really appreciates the good things and good people in his life. Uh, he makes sure that he shows some personal tender touches to his daughters that they've never experienced from him before and such that they uh, end up with tears of joy. And the moral of the story is that sometimes you can't really start living until you meet Joe Black. Sometimes you must face death before you can really live without regret. So a man faces death and is transformed by uh, being given some extra time to live. Just Hollywood fantasy stuff, right? No, not at all. The Bible says that this really happened to a guy named Hezekiah. It's a fascinating story recorded in the Old Testament book of Isaiah where we're told that King Hezekiah was a good king who did right in God's eyes. And so maybe as a favor uh, to a, uh, a guy who honored him, uh, God came to uh, King Hezekiah in the person of Isaiah the prophet and God said, get your affairs in order, king, because you have a terminal illness and you only have days left to live. Hezekiah's reaction was immediate. The Bible says that he fell off his throne on the floor in tears, and then when he finally got up, he went and he faced the wall. Facing the wall is a Hebrew idiom for the fact that uh, 
Hezekiah went to the wall in his throne room that faced God's temple. And he began to fervently pray. Hezekiah worshiped the Lord and begged him to heal him so that he could have more time to serve God better. And as a result, God told Isaiah to go back to Hezekiah with a renewed message. This time the message was, Hezekiah, I have heard your prayers, I've seen your heart, and I've decided to heal you and give you 15 more years of life. And you can imagine Hezekiah's reaction. He was just reduced to, to joy in tears, weeping before God, saying, thank you, God. But not only does Hezekiah leap for joy, he also journaled about his near-death experience. And what Hezekiah wrote in his journal has been preserved in Scripture because God wants to reach me through Hezekiah's story. God wants to reach you through Hezekiah's near-death experience. Here, at the end of one year and the beginning of a new year, God wants to use Hezekiah's experience as a heart check for you. A heart check today. So, two of Hezekiah's journal entries appear in the book of Isaiah the prophet, the 38th chapter. Let's read the first journal entry, and this is where Hezekiah writes about his reaction to learning that he was about to die. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his illness and recovery. I said, in the prime of my life, must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? I said, I will not again see the Lord himself in the land of the living. No longer will I look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night you make an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion he broke all my bones. Day and night you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or a thrush. I moaned like a mourning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I'm being threatened, Lord. Come to my aid. And here Hezekiah describes his emotional reaction to learning that he had, that he was terminal and had very short time to live. This is before he had any idea that he would uh, have his life extended by God. And Hezekiah reports that on learning that his time on earth was short, his reaction was regret. First, he expresses regret over what was unfinished in his relationship with God, saying, I will not see the Lord himself in the land of the living. Then Hezekiah expresses regret over unfinished business in his horizontal relationships with other people. He says, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Now, in Hebrew idiom, uh, he, Hezekiah's house was not real estate. It was not his palace. It was his family. The house of Hezekiah was his family. And so he's expressing regret over what he'd left unfinished in his relationships with his wife and kids and grandkids and brothers and sisters and close friends. And then finally, Hezekiah expresses regret over what he'd left unfinished in terms of making an impact in the world uh, for God. 
Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, he says. Uh, he says he's like a weaver who has put his whole life into a tapestry and now watches as it's torn away, unfinished, and he just sees the threads of all his selfishness and how little impact he really made for God. And this first journal entry ends with Hezekiah weeping, weeping over regret, over all that was unfinished in his relationship with God, unfinished in his relationship with others, and unfinished in terms of his impact in the world. He had no idea that he would be healed, and so the thought that he only had days of left, left Hezekiah just weeping with regret. And through Hezekiah's experience of regret, God has a message for me, and for you, God is showing you that your life is too short to waste. This is a heart check message that God repeats over and over again in Scripture. In the Bible, God declares that your life in this world determines your life in the next world. And this one and only eternity-shaping life, God says, is appallingly brief. Two chapters after Hezekiah's journal entry, God tells the prophet Isaiah to cry out with a message. And the message is, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. And Jesus takes this same theme. He teaches the same contrast between God's eternity and our brevity. Jesus said that we're all like a man who uh, worked overtime, just killed himself uh, so that he could meet his retirement income goals. And then he put his feet up and said, now nothing can touch me. My life is set. And this is how Jesus concludes the story. He says, but God said to that man, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And Jesus said, this is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves but are not rich toward God. This is a central message from God in his word that none of us know how long we have to do the most important thing in the world. And that's why God preserves Hezekiah's story. God wants me to put myself in Hezekiah's shoes. God wants you to imagine what your reaction would be if God came to you today to tell you that you had a short time left to live. So go ahead, imagine it. Imagine that as a favor to you, God came to you in a whisper and said, it's a secret, but I just want to let you know you only have days left to live. If you're doing a good job of imagining that, you have some personal regrets bubbling up. And those personal regrets form the basis of your personal heart check. Hezekiah's regret fell into three categories. He regretted that 
uh, what he left unfinished in his relationship with God. He regretted what he left unfinished in his relationship with other people. And he regretted what he left unfinished in terms of its impact of his life for God. God wants to make this same heart check for you right now. Here at the end of 2019, uh, God wants to give you a holy moment. A holy moment where you take the opportunity to uh, give yourself Hezekiah's heart check. So I'm going to read each aspect of Hezekiah's heart check. And then I'm going to give you a few moments after each phrase to just reflect for a moment on your heart check. Okay? Here's Hezekiah's heart check. If you were to learn that you only had days left to live, what would you wish that you had done more? What would you wish that you had done less? If you knew that you only had days left to live, what regrets would you have regarding your relationships? What regrets would you have regarding your impact in this world? And what regrets would you have regarding your relationship with God? I hope you're taking this heart check seriously because your honest answers to these questions form your personal guide to the life you really, really want to live. If you answer these questions honestly and then make some new priorities in this new year based on your answers, you'll be living life at its best because you'll be living life without regrets. So the first question, what would you wish you had done more? Well, your answer to that question tells you everything you need to know about what you should be devoting your life to right now. Not tomorrow, right now. What would you wish you'd done less? Your honest answer tells you exactly what you need to cut down or cut out of your life, not tomorrow, right now. And then there are those three regret areas. Whatever you regret in death, as you imagine it, should dictate your priorities in life right now. Oh, you'd regret in death that you uh, had a, a prayerless life? Well, then make your priority now prayer. You'd regret in death that you didn't reconcile with a loved one? then make forgiving peace your priority in life right now. As I follow through on this kind of a heart check, it brings incredible blessing to my life. At least that's what Hezekiah found. Now we're going to read the second entry in his journal, uh, which is a reflection on what he was thinking after he learned that he was going to be given more time. Well, what can I say? God has spoken to me. He himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. 
You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. For the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praises. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living... The living, they praise you as I am doing today. Fathers tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing. Sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. What, what a journal entry of joy and just appreciation for the gift of life. Hezekiah says that he didn't really start living until he met Joe Black, or in his words, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Hezekiah's encounter with death gave him a whole new appreciation for God, for people, for life itself. And as I study Hezekiah's words, uh, I sense that the key to his heart transformation is summarized in that word humbly. He says, I walk, I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of soul. And the journal entry that follows explains what this humility meant. It meant that Hezekiah's humble heart meant that he had a renewed appreciation for life. Scripture records no psalm of thankfulness from Hezekiah before his near-death experience. But then, after he experiences this face-to-face -face with death, we have this encounter, uh, this explosion of praise to God where he, he says, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Fathers, tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing, sing. Hezekiah's heart check led to a humility before God that gave him a gratitude for life itself such that he started singing through the rest of his life. How about you? Are you singing your way through life or are you sighing your way through life? You get to choose. You can choose to complain and critique and curse and criticize and quibble about the things that are not perfect, or you can choose to appreciate each day, embrace each loved one, and celebrate each of God's blessings in your life. It really is a choice. It's a choice only you can make. Only you can choose to be a grateful person instead of a complaining person. Only you can choose to focus on what you have instead of what you don't have. Only you can choose to express genuine appreciation to the good people and good things that God has brought into your life. Hezekiah emerged from his heart check choosing to sing, choosing a song of appreciation for each and every extended moment of his life. And Hezekiah emerged from his heart check with a renewed passion for God. I don't know about you, but when I imagine uh, that I only have a few days left to live, I experience regret. I experience regret primarily about how often I neglect my relationship with God.
I regret how I often ignore the one person who will be with me each and every day of my life from my birth. I ignore the one person who loves me unconditionally. I ignore the one person who gives his life so that I can experience complete forgiveness and a life and an eternity that makes a difference. A true heart check renews my passion for a relationship with Jesus. A heart check brings to clarity this fact that for now and for all eternity, the most important job of this life I have, this one and only life, is to develop a forever friendship with my Creator, with my Father, through His Son, in the power of His Holy Spirit. Or as Hezekiah concludes, Lord, in your love you've kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Recently, I uh, read a book by Billy Crystal. You know Billy Crystal, he's a movie star, he's a comedian, and uh, his book is uh, about his growing up years with his dad. And the book is entitled, 700 Sundays. Uh, Reminiscing of his life as a little kid, this is what Billy Crystal writes. My dad worked so hard for us all the time. He held down two jobs, including weekend nights. The only day I really had alone with him was Sunday. My dad would come home like three or four o'clock in the wee hours on Sunday morning after working all weekend. As the sun came up, I would tiptoe over to my parents' bedroom, which was right next to my room, and I would quietly open the door just a little, and I would sit in the doorway waiting for my dad to wake up just to see what we were going to do together that day. I just couldn't wait for Sundays. I couldn't wait for Sundays. My dad died when I was 15. I once calculated that I had roughly 700 Sundays. That's it. 700 Sundays. Not much time for a kid with his precious dad. Billy Crystal's favorite person in life was his dad. The person he loved the most was his dad. And now Billy Crystal looks back with what he sees and he couldn't see at the time. And that is that his time with his favorite person, his dad, was so short that all he had really with his dad was 700 Sundays, starting with his birth. And in the book, uh, Billy uh, goes on about what he would do if he could just have one more Sunday. He says he would give up all his money, he'd give up all his fame, he'd give up all his success if he could just have with his dad one more Sunday. He'd be the happiest man on earth if he could just have one more Sunday. Hezekiah got one more Sunday. Hezekiah got one more Sunday to spend time with his wife, his kids, and his grandkids and appreciate them. He got one more Sunday to make an impact in the world for God. 
He got one more Sunday, more than anything else, he got one more Sunday to spend with his heavenly father. Hezekiah's near-death experience was actually a get-nearer-to-life experience because, and I sense this, it brought him back to this childlike relationship with his heavenly father where he would wake up each day saying, Dad, what are we going to do today? The Bible says that Sunday is designed as a special day between you and your heavenly father. And so maybe at the very least, if you're thinking about some kind of New Year resolution, at the very least, a great New Year's resolution would be to commit the Sundays of this next year to be here at church. Commit Sunday to be at least one day a week when you think about, you do not ignore your favorite person, your Heavenly Father. But your Heavenly Father wants to be with you, of course, every day, not just Sunday. God came in the person of Jesus to reach out to you with the gift of his forgiveness if you believe in Jesus. And if you've received this gift, then make a new resolution to renew your passion for your relationship with Jesus. But if you've not received this gift, you must receive the gift of God's forgiveness by your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. And you must not delay. Only God knows how many Sundays you have left. All you know is that your time in God's eyes is very short. God loves you. God loves you and he's here right now on the threshold of a new year. And he's calling you to a heart check. He's calling you to a heart check where you renew your appreciation for the gift of life. And he's calling you to a heart check to renew your passion for a relationship with him. Not just talking about it, but a real relationship with him. He calls you to a heart check so that you can live life at its best because you're living life in Jesus without regrets. Would you please stand as we close? And as we close, I just want to give you uh, a few moments. And these few moments could be the most important uh, in your life. If you're in this moment receiving the gift of God's forgiveness in Jesus. Or it could be the most important moments that set you up for 2020. Give yourself a moment to respond to your heart check today. Let's pray. Thank you for watching BlackRock's Sermon of the Week. We're so glad you found us, and we hope that this message helped you feel more connected to God. In talking about connection, we find that it's super important for people to be connected to others and to a community in order to grow in their faith. So if you're in our area, we want to invite you to join us for one of our services. You can find out more about our times and locations right here on this webpage. And if you're not in the area, don't worry. We encourage you to join a local church where you are. There you find people who can walk alongside you and help you continue to grow in your faith. 
So we hope that you join us next week and thank you so much for watching.